0: Thanks to our sponsor, Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 421, where today CJ and I are going to catch up on the latest news in the Microsoft 365, Windows 365, Microsoft, a whole bunch of cloud news recorded live August the 5th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy contact center for Teams from Geomon and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomark is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the technology adoption program, and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. Back to the show. Good morning, Mr. Johnson. Thank you very much for holding the fort down
1: last week. You're very welcome. How uh, how's your short getaway? Short, haha. <laughs> yeah. I was on the road for 13 days, so uh, it was... Didn't um, feel that short. Yeah, that's fair. No,
0: it didn't. It definitely didn't. It was the longest trip that I've done Is back going back to, I don't remember how long, but at least uh, over a year and a half. Nice. And... Man, I tell you, after living out of a suitcase, it was three separate cities or three separate locations for three separate reasons. And all of it was with family. And man, it just, after, God, towards the end of it, I was just wiped out. And it's like, man, I am so out of my travel uh, game or my travel fitness. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I know that feeling though, when you get home, it's like, ah, it's a mental relaxation. We don't have to think as Mm. much, right? When you're traveling, you're always thinking about, where are we going to go to eat? How are we going to get there? Blah, 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 blah. Right. And who's around and all that sort of stuff? It's just not as relaxing sometimes.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I did a really good job of not working when I was on this trip. I still like pull my laptop out every once in a while or my iPad out every once in a while, look at my email and just like, you know, delete the spam stuff and then anything that's on fire that I need to deal with. Send me witty internet memes,
1: that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like when you're on your phone or your iPad, you can only have a limited view of how much email you've got that you've got over like the last week, it doesn't look like much. So when you get home and you plug in your laptop the first day back and you've got your big screen and on your desk. Ring,
1: and ring, ring. ring. Scrolling. Yeah. Matrix of doom. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah, And you look at like, oh, my God, all that stuff that I kept punting to like the day I got back and all that stuff. I'm like yesterday. So yesterday's my first day back, quote, like in the office. And I sucked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back anyway.
0: Yeah. It's nice to be back, but uh, yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for running the episode last week. The conversation with uh, Matthias and Rencore, looked, yeah. that sounded like a really
1: good, really good discussion. That was really interesting. So, good job on that. It was awesome to have it on, have them on the show and and talk through what they've been up to. They've been very very busy indeed. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Awesome. I feel like I haven't seen them in years because normally we would have been to conferences and usually they are exhibiting there and things like that. So, anyway, it was a nice. Outside of the recording, it was also a nice uh, catch-up with him, too.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was interesting you talked about, uh, you say, you know, at conferences and stuff. I saw that there was an in-person conference that went on last week, uh, SharePoint Fest in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Looked like from the... Is that the first one? It's not the... first one there was i mean there's been other ones going on mm. like i know mark rackley's north american collaboration summit did something a couple months ago that was oh yeah yep yeah, that's right that was a that was attended and i know that he's got another one coming up any day now i can't remember exactly what it is but it seems like from the people what like, you know friends on social media it seems like there's a bunch of conversations going on about responsibilities and who's doing what and stuff yeah. between at that conference so i get the vibe it's coming up soon but yeah i mean i hope i hope that that one goes well as as well i'm I've been watching like these other ones and watching with the way that, you know, the current state of pandemic and recommendations and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And um, it's interesting watching. I'm very curious watching how these how these different events are going and how people I mean, people are showing up for these different events. So, yeah, not to pass any judgment, just just sitting on the side, just like watching TV. I'm just curious to watch how they're doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Well, yeah, it'll be so. it's nice to see, I guess, some sense of normalcy for some folks coming back, creeping back into various people's lives and things. I'm not quite ready for that, but, uh, you know, glad to see it's happening for some people. So that's awesome. That's pretty much how I
0: feel about it. I, I, I think I'm going to, not for any kind of a fear or anything like that, but yeah, I decided I'm not going to do any conferences this year. Nothing, not passing judgment. Anymore. I'm just like, yeah, I just don't, I want to sit back and I want to kind of watch how everything goes. And plus I just got, my hands are full. So yeah, yeah. whatever.
1: I actually thought I'd really miss them a lot, right? Because it was, you know, but I'm going to be fairly selective going forward. And I just don't miss the travel in all honesty.
0: You know, it's, that's how I am. I I like, I, mean, I know we were having a, a side conversation about this on a separate thread, but I miss seeing, I don't want to just call it work friends, but I mean, really, it's like people I know through work are missing friends. Like I miss you know, being able to hang out with you and mm. you know, we're a solid eight, at least eight hours of travel between the two of us just to hang out. So it's not like we, we can see each other very often, yeah. but you know, I miss doing that stuff. I miss seeing those people. I don't miss the travel at all. In fact, I like I dread it if I would have to if I was told you know yeah you, know, you got flights involved and stuff like I don't want to and, and again not a pandemic thing but like oh, I just dread dealing with airports and planes and every, again but I just I think I will also be very selective going forward I thought me personally so cards on the table I always thought that conferences were a major source of leads for my training business and I had to do it right last year showed that while you know I took a hit last year and last year and a half. With the pandemic, I didn't, I don't think that it was, it was very hard to track, just like it's very hard to see where, you know, you have a podcast, where are listeners finding you? Where are they coming from? It's very hard to to track that stuff. This has been very hard to track when you don't have a booth at a conference. It's very hard to track, you know, how much does a conference actually quote, you know, pay off for you. And I think I was, I was always scared to cut back because I was like, well, if I do it, then, you know, there's no going back on this. But then when you're forced through it, like going, I don't think I really lost out a whole lot on it. So I'll still do them. I just don't, I don't think I'll be doing the seven or eight a year that I've done in the past. Yeah, so. no, fair enough. So this week we wanted, to, we had a, a bunch of news in the Microsoft cloud space that's been going on the last couple, I don't know, the last couple of weeks that we wanted to kind of address some stuff, catch you up on some, you know, what the latest stuff is with Microsoft, what the latest stuff is with uh, Microsoft 365, with Graph, with Teams, uh, et cetera. So that's what we want to do in this episode today. So what do you say we start by kind of running through some of the news? Let's do it. This episode is sponsored by Sharegate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where Sharegate comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. And now, back to the show. Sweet, CJ, would you like to kick us off? Because it
1: looks like you have the first handful of links from us. Sure. (laughs) For us. Okay, so this is completely unrelated to Microsoft. Well, I guess, well, no, it is sort of related. I mean, it's stretchy related. And it's more of a discussion item than a piece of Microsoft news. The FTC has voted... Or votes to unanimously enforce the right to repair. So I don't know if you've been obviously following along with this, you know, there's been so this back and forth about whether it's okay to, you know, be able to open up your phone and replace parts and manufacturers supporting supporting that or making it, you know, able to take your iPhone to some third-party repair store, for example, or your, you know, your sealed device. And so there's been a bunch of back and forth on this, but it was just a headline I picked up on thought it was great you know a great sign that you know we're getting a little bit of traction on this I think it's fantastic that people are pushing for this obviously it's such a waste if you know you have to throw stuff out if you can't get it repaired or it's too costly to repair and so I'm all for making this stuff simpler and easier and I don't know if you've followed a guy called uh, I think his name is Lewis Rossman on YouTube mm-hmm. he's like the New York mm-hmm. laptop phone electronics repair dude he's massive mm-hmm. and all this stuff and and he's always entertaining to watch on the subject but um i haven't had a chance to catch up on what he has to say about this ruling but uh yeah hidden in the right direction uh, absolutely you know
0: and I, and I know i'm going to take us off on a little bit of a tangent because this i don't know why this reminded me of it but the whole like right to repair not that it hit me in the past but just as a little kind of a public service announcement if you have an iPhone, if any of you out there have an iPhone, a couple things. I'd like to strongly recommend you make sure that it's backed up. Do that. <laughs> That's one. <laughs> Second of all, if you are like me and you use a, an app for your multi-factor auth, I use the Microsoft Authenticator app. I would strongly recommend that you also have that backed up and you make a note of which account you have it backed up to because you can back it up to like a your iCloud but it's going to be still tied to a Windows account. There you go. Yep. To your it's going to be tied to your Microsoft account or to a uh, work and school account. And the reason why I recommend that you do this is on So my last trip that I was going on, 13 days, the first few days I was down in South Florida refereeing or officiating a championship swim meet that my son was also involved in. And, uh, oh yeah, I got evaluated for national cert. So I'm now nationally certified for uh, USA Swimming. The other thing that the next trip that I did was we went to a lake. Our family met up my in-laws and everybody. We had a house at Lake Lanier in Atlanta, which is apparently uh, right positioned right next to the sun because there's no wind. And it was like 95 degrees and no shade. It was hot as hell. <laughs> but literally the first day I'm there, I drop my paddleboard in the water. I jump in the water right next to my paddleboard. I've got my phone in an otter box that's on a lanyard around my neck. And I used that all last year when I was doing my paddleboard and I jumped in the lake and I climbed up on the board and I looked down and the phone had come off of the lanyard, and was now 150 feet below me.
1: For those of you who weren't there, me included, here's a reenactment. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Here goes your iPhone.
0: <laughs> I jumped up on the board and I looked down and everybody in the family was like sitting there. And I was like, and I just dropped the big F-bomb. And uh, there were some little kids. I was, I regret <laughs> doing it like that and saying that. But um, yeah, yeah I was pretty darn ticked off I at bet. it. And thankfully... I, now, get the, now, I will say t- there's a good story and a bad story. So, the public service announcement is make sure your phone's backed up. Mine was, which was as of like 10 days prior. So, it didn't take long once I got a replacement phone. It wasn't that, that bad to go through and restore it. What was bad is that I did not know which one of my accounts my MFA, my Microsoft Authenticator MFA was backing up to. And so when I chose the wrong one, it overwrote the backup that was in iCloud and I lost it. So I had one that was like an old, old backup and I lost a lot of it. I spent half of the day yesterday trying to get my MFA for both my personal work account yep. and my Microsoft vendor account. I spent over half a day trying to get those things restored Brutal. and trying to get back in. for Royal pain. But the good story about it, the phone went in the water at 1031 because that's the last time that iCloud says find my phone and actually pinged it. It went in at 1031. By two o'clock, I had finally called AT&T, filed a claim, and I literally had a brand new phone or a refurbished phone delivered to me in the remote lake in two hours. Wow, that's incredible. So, got off the phone at three o'clock and
1: I had a phone delivered to me so at 5.05 05 p.m. So your backup didn't work, was, but your backup, backup worked. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So <laughs> Fair. anyway, highly recommend awesome. that. Awesome. Well, not great, but glad you got it.
0: Especially pissed because I didn't want to buy a new phone. I'm waiting for the iPhone 13 to come out to do like to do my upgrade. And I was like, Oh my god, you got to be kidding yeah, me! Yeah, so
1: fair. All right, uh, yeah. So that's uh, well. If you could have got it back, then you might have been able to get it repaired.
0: Yes, I could. Yeah, maybe. Maybe
1: if somebody wants a
0: well uh, a, a well taken care of iPhone XS, it's in Lake Lanier in a little cove about 150 feet deep. So <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, what else you got for us? Well. Microsoft earnings for this week, we'll talk about that in, I think it was last week actually, now we're talking about it, their Q4 release. There were a slew of interesting articles just in general, I'm not going to talk through all of them in great detail about Microsoft in general, but there were a few that I thought were really interesting. The first one is from Fast Company, which is called, How Microsoft Quietly Climbed Back to the Top of the Tech Industry. You know, so essentially, it went through a rough period. Essentially, the entire time I worked there, and it subsequently, since I've left, it is now their stock price has gone up six hundred percent. So, I will take that as a sign to never work at Microsoft again. <laughs> when I'm there, their stock price goes nowhere, and when I leave, their stock price goes crazy. So, fortunately, I, I own some Microsoft stock still, so that's all right. Good work, Satcha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it essentially, sort of details like they've built. I think it's now they they have sixteen lines of business that are over a billion dollars in revenue. Oh my god. Seriously? Yeah. 16 disparate lines of business, right? So, wow. so obviously, there's some of those lines of business are a lot bigger than a billion dollars, right? 48 billion dollars mm-hmm. for the intelligent cloud segment. But like in terms of businesses over that are over a billion dollars, apparently they have 16 of them now, which is pretty Darn staggering, if you ask me.
0: God, that's nuts. Anyway,
1: this article is a nice little sort of summary of, you know, clawing back from from a bit of meh through those, uh, through those late Barmy years, I guess. The second mm. article is called The Invisible Tech Behemoth. And it's basically an article that says, how the hell is Microsoft dodging all the scrutiny that Google and Facebook are coming under? That's a good point. And they're doing a very good job of flying under the radar. And I think... A lot of it stems from their history with the DOJ and the history with the EU equivalent and the scrutiny that they came under for bundling and, and taking advantage of their monopoly, et cetera, et cetera. And so they've learned a few lessons from that. That would be my guess, and uh, on my hunch, I suspect. And they're just really good at just staying low, plotting at a reasonably fast pace, not plotting slowly, but you know, getting the job done and uh, and not stopping. And so like, yeah, Facebook, Google, and Apple are all in different the article says Facebook, Alphabet, the parent founder of yeah, the parent company of Google, Amazon and Apple are all in different stages of public villainy. <laughs> 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 yeah. So um, they just talk about how Microsoft's sort of, you know, swimming away under the radar, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And it's a good finds. Then earnings. So Microsoft continuing to absolutely explode. Revenue is up 21% to $46.2 billion last quarter. What? I remember a time, this, oh God, I sound like an old fogey when I say this, but I remember the time when Microsoft didn't make that in a year. Yeah. It didn't seem that long ago. Anyway, operating income up 42%, net income up 47%, earnings per share, $2.17 and increased 49%. Like, just it's, staggering amounts of money. I, it's I still saying that every stop. time too. It just keeps blowing me away. It does to me as well. I'm still
0: waiting. I would have thought by now we would have been, we would have known, but unfortunately in the state of how businesses and now companies are starting to roll back their dates for when they're going to be going back to the office. I'm still interested to see once things, the pendulum starts to shift back closer to where things used to be more being in the office and, and less remote work, more business travel and stuff like that. As things kind of go back in that direction, still curious to see what that does to their bottom line, to their to their business. I mean, because still this, they are benefiting from this whole work from home thing. That's not the reason their numbers are so high. I don't think. It is a factor, but it is not the reason. So I'm curious to see what the changes are, what the changes we'll see from this. They clearly, though, they've
1: been doing a very good job. Yeah. So it's very impressive. A couple of key takeouts. LinkedIn is now a 10 10- billion dollar business for Microsoft. When they acquired it, I think it was June 13th, 2016. I think. Off the top of (laughs) my head. About there? (laughs) It was a $3 billion business, I think. So they've more than, you know, more than tripled it, essentially, uh, since 2016, which is pretty darn amazing. Interesting for Office, Office commercial up 25%. Man, this just keeps growing. They are just either wringing more blood from the stone, or people are still adopting it in massive numbers, which is incredible. I think it's probably a combination of both, but whatever they're doing, it is absolutely magic from a revenue perspective. You know, they got Mm -hmm. some Windows stuff, some bits and pieces, they're all in single digits. Sorry, like Xbox and Windows OEM revenue. And then 20% for Windows commercial products increased, increased 20%. So that's pretty decent growth in that business too. But yeah, just overall, like, just yeah, fantastic results. They're up to two hundred and eighty-eight dollars per share now, and it just keeps going. This is their fifty-two week high is two hundred and ninety. So they're they're you know they're continuing to uh, push the share price, but obviously Sarch is doing a great job, and uh, the company's all aligned and doing really well. So that's awesome.
0: Totally, totally is cool. Well, thanks for the update on. That's a, a bunch of good articles that you found though all around their quarterly. Their quarterly numbers and then just some commentary around that. Let me jump. Let me switch gears on us a bit and jump into the Microsoft 365 world. Uh, Microsoft Graph has a couple links. A couple links we're going to post in the show notes here. One of them is that in late July, on July 26th, Microsoft Graph published a v4 of their .NET SDK. It's got a, a bunch of improvements to it. There's a streamlined authentication is a big piece to it some of the big things though that I wanted to highlight here that they highlight in their blog post here is about rich notifications that encor- that support encrypted content the idea here is that when you create a subscription so if essentially they call them subscriptions but basically when you have a you get a webhook notification that something changed if you can if you apply or provide them a uh, certificate what they can do is they will they encrypt the content that they send in the webhook notification and it'll tell you like who the person was or who the user was that is uh, that triggered the notification. So if you say I want to be subscribed to you know users when a user account gets created or updated, then when in the webhook notification it will tell you that hey, CJ has been CJ's record was updated. And it saves you from having to immediately go back to graph and say, hey, what changed? Yes. Um, now you can say like, oh CJ stuff changed because you've got the the certificate that's encrypted the data that's actually going across. So that's saving you from a round trip. Another very big change they had is improved testability of the Graph service client. In the past, they've had this interface that's been used by the Graph.NET SDK users to build application tests that depend on that. But using when you use that interface, it can cause the, your code to break whenever Microsoft... The, the metadata for Microsoft Graph change, mm. which wasn't exactly an infrequent thing. That made it hard for doing things like mocking or inheriting from that interface. So what they did is they removed that interface in v4 and all of the properties and methods on the Graph Service client have been made virtual that allows mocking frameworks to override them. So users don't have to create real objects to test the application. That's nice. That is nice. Another thing that they did is that they've made some changes to the OData type property that's defined in the SDK. So since the pri- the previous major release, the v3 release of the .NET SDK, the generated types had an OData metadata property that was set by default in the SDK. At the time, that wasn't a problem. But as graph has grown over the time, uh, more P- APIs come on board. The OData pipe has started to cause a bunch of errors during the serialization of some of the different APIs. So in v4, it is that property, the OData type property is only set in the cases that are where the type is not ambiguous or where there's disambiguation is the word they use is required. So things like when the type is derived from an abstract type or when one of its base types is referenced as the type for a property on another type. So for example, the organizer meeting info type has a base type of meeting info that is referenced as the type of a property on another type. Hmm. So it's like basically just when you're trying to go through and be more explicit it's not by it's not yeah. going to be there by default but you can use it right that's some of the stuff that they highlighted in the V4 there is some news that also came out actually yesterday on August the 4th so it was that Wednesday of the first week of August they also have some breaking changes that they announced but it's breaking changes to graph connectors but the graph connector API but specifically the beta Endpoint, not the G, not the V1 endpoint, because the 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 connectors are not in the. I don't believe the the connectors are in the V1 endpoint. They're still in the beta endpoint, which is why when things the API changes, they can do that in the beta because it's not solid yet. A couple things I'm just going to quickly highlight here: new fine grained permissions. You've got one for external connection by another one external item dot by, and the last one was external item dot dot all. There are also a bunch of new Schema num- namespaces, um, updates to resource types and properties, new identity resource types. Just a, there's a bunch of like little things that are in there. But the the blog post that I'm going to point to does a good job of showing you like what the what the request used to look like, and after these changes have been applied, what the requests need to look like. And so you'll see. To me, it makes sense. It, it looks like you know the, the AP, they looked at the API and they tried to standardize things. Like where we used to see, it would say. Authorized apps. Now it says authorized apps IDs because mm. it really was just a bunch of GUIDs that you were posting in there mm. or things that have been simplified. So where you could you didn't have to say like, oh, how do I say it? You didn't have to, before your post was a lot more verbose that you had to send to Microsoft Graph and they've consolidated some properties to be like, ah you don't need some of this stuff. So things are a little bit, it's a little bit simpler. There are good changes that they made. But if you're working with the beta endpoint for external connect for graph connectors, then your code may break until you mm. apply some of these changes. Gotcha. Oh, sorry. They do offer backwards compatibility on the API until September the 30th, 2021. So your stuff won't break right now, but you are given a good two-ish month, just under two-month notice that stuff will break if you're using the beta endpoint and these different properties. That's not too bad.
1: Cool. All right, I've got something here on, remember we talked about Windows 365 a couple of weeks ago. It's now GA'd. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft has the pricing for it. Just a quick update on pricing: they're pricing it basically by processor, RAM, and storage. Right, so it goes anywhere from one vCPU with two gigs of RAM and sixty-four gigs of storage for twenty-four bucks a month if you pay monthly, or all the way up to you know it goes through two, three, sorry, two vCPUs with four gigs of RAM, eight gigs of RAM, four CPUs with sixteen gigs of RAM, up to eight CPUs with thirty-two gigs of RAM. But that 8 CPU, 32 gig of RAM will cost you $162 per month. So Whoa. there's a big sort of range that you can choose from to log into. I've actually seen some cool screenshots mm. of people on the Twitters on things like Android tablets who have fired one of these up and have a full screen Windows experience on their Android tablet over a 5G connection and said it was pretty smooth. So that's... Really? Yeah. Which I'm surprised, but that seems pretty interesting. I want to try it out on my iPad just, to, I try just to see what happens. Yeah,
0: same here. I'd like to try that on my iPad to see. I mean, having access to
1: a full PC from your tablet, that's nice. For sure. I've got a dev box in Azure, right? just an, a virtual machine in Azure that I use quite a lot. And um, it'd be nice just to you know have a really good remote experience with that just outside of RDP, I suppose, but... Similar kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Anyway, so pricing is now up for Windows 365 if you want to go check it out.
0: Cool. I'm going to stick with the Microsoft 365 theme for my bits of news here. So I'm going to do two of them back to back. The first one is last week, Microsoft released, or maybe two weeks ago, Microsoft released the a beta of the next version of the SharePoint framework. Uh, this is version 1.13. The big thing that's in this one is the ability for you to create extensions for Viva Connections. Hmm. Now, effectively, what these are, they call them ACES. It's an adaptive card. It's like an adaptive card thing. Yeah. But on a, really, the best way to, to understand these things is that when you're on the mobile app for Viva Connections, you have a dashboard and you have these little widgets. These widgets are almost exactly like what you used to see with like Windows Phone style, style tiles. tiles. Yeah. yeah. Or if you have a like an iPhone or an iPad, you've seen the widgets that we can have on that they're basically the same thing and there's different views to it. So you have like the main default view and you have a quick view where it expands up. These things are mostly used for kind of a, remember the term I used was the glance and go. Yeah. It's very much used like that or as a quick view into another app. So you use it as almost like a launching point to get into an app. So it's kind of cool. That's really the big thing with 1.13. There's a couple other little things that are in there, but there's not really any features. It's more or less support for the latest versions of Node, uh, the LTS versions of Node. And it's also the first time, the big part about this is that it's also the first time that they are ditching the ho- the local workbench. So now Ooh. you don't have a local test environment anymore. You'll have a hosted one, huh. which we've always had since day one, yep. which is a real SharePoint experience. So you've got so, it, I mean, and that, to me, that I like that. I like getting rid of the local workbench. You're always going to have a SharePoint environment you can test it against. And it's like that with almost everything. Like with Teams, you don't have a local Teams you really play with. You're using it as the team service. So yeah, gotcha. it doesn't really make sense to do local. Sure. The other thing I wanted to highlight, too, was uh, Microsoft Teams actually released uh, what's called a broadcast development kit. This thing is interesting. It allows you to do like allows you to do a whole bunch of different things. So it's open source. It's all, it includes a bunch of open source code so that you can start connecting your Teams calls and meetings directly into your online studio that you host inside of Microsoft to Azure. So you can do things like audio video in and out via SRT or RTMP. That's like mm-hmm. if you do anything like um, live streaming, RTMP is the, the protocol that we generally use if you're going to like stream to uh, YouTube or Facebook. You can also have, there's also a sample web portal that you can use to manage your feeds or a meeting extension to manage the feeds as an LOB app. So there's a bunch of stuff that's in there you can go take a look at and how this works. It's kind of cool just making that's nice. Microsoft Teams, yeah, more of a, like a. It's. I I don't know if it's like, I don't know if I'd call it like an OBS style no. thing, but it's still, it's it's making it easier to broad, using Teams as, as a better broadcasting platform.
1: Yeah, you can get stuff out of it and into other channels for distribution. Right. Nice. Hey, final one before we move on. Microsoft is acquiring a company called Cloud Knox, with a K, K-N-O-X, which do security stuff. They are a leading vendor, apparently, in the cloud infrastructure entitlement management. Essentially, what that means is they make sure you've got the right permissions. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's what it is. I'm not a security expert, yeah. but I'm pretty sure this is what it is. So it essentially helps companies feel confident that when you need access to stuff, you're able to get access to it, but then those those permissions and those entitlements are taken away when you no longer require them, right? So you don't end up with this sort of this accidental sort of privileged security sprawl, if that makes sense. So I imagine they'll be integrating this with Azure Active Directory and making sure they've got, you know, sort of better visibility and monitoring and automation about permissions across your cloud and apparently hybrid stuff too so nice interesting acquisition there doesn't say how much they bought it for etc but it is yeah another one for 2021 very nice very nice cool that wraps up
0: a bunch of the news that we've missed in the last uh, week or so so why don't we switch over and do a couple of fun picks today perfect AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. CJ, would you like to start us off with your fun
1: pick today? Sure. Do you remember the name Jay Allard? Oh, ah, the Xbox guy. The ex- well, yeah, amongst other things. But yeah, probably the most famous yeah, for sure Xbox. Yeah. He spent 19 years at Microsoft, and there is a podcast actually called Beyond the Blue Badge. And it's an interview with Jay Allard, who is the Xbox VP, Vice President at one point. Um, But I actually, I listened to it and it covers a lot more ground than just the Xbox. It's really interesting. It talks about the early years of the formation of the internet and Microsoft's participation in that. Jay Allard was, was instrumental in essentially convincing Gates to support TCP in Windows and Get the, or have, you know, therefore be able to connect Windows to the internet and take it seriously. And so it covers a lot more things than just the Xbox, but it does talk about the early years of Xbox and all these sort of skunk work secret projects that were going on and trying to get this thing, mm. trying to convince the powers that be to build this thing and all that sort of stuff. And so I just thought it was a really interesting, interesting podcast. He also talks about what he's doing post Microsoft and he's working on a, a SaaS type application for people to track bikes. So like a big ass bike registry because there's tons of bike theft in the country and, um, and this is sort of a way to identify bikes and get them back to their owners and things like that. Anyway, I always found him really an interesting dude and um, I always enjoyed his, you know, talks and things when I was at Microsoft and he was there and, and he was always a standout at the time because he would, he would walk around in like Converse shoes and like street mm-hmm. gear, whereas all the other execs were all these tight wad suit wearing dweebs, right? But he was like this standout from the crowd. So um, yeah, it was cool to listen to what he had to say about this. Cool stories from the early formation of Xbox and the internet and TCP and things like that. Yeah, cool. Very cool. How about you? What do you got for us this week? I'm going to go
0: Spacey on us. So next month. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm going to completely love from left left field. Recently, we saw the two flights go with Blue Origin and the Virgin Galactic. SpaceX has their civilian mission that goes off next month in September. Right now, it's scheduled to go off on, I believe it's September the 15th is when they're launched for. Yeah, that's when Inspiration 4 is uh, scheduled for September the 15th. And just as a recap, this is the one where we've got four people are going to go on uh, Dragon Crew capsule and orbit the Earth. I can't remember how long it is off the top of my head. I forget. But at any rate, what's cool about this is that Netflix is going to be streaming a documentary during... September about this mission. So it's going to be done in I believe it's five parts or is
1: that yeah, right yeah so parts, five yeah.
0: parts the first two are going to be released on September the 6th and the um, the final part is coming out towards the end of the month. So it's basically going to be going on throughout the course of September there'll be five parts uh, released on Netflix about a documentary about inspiration for the SpaceX Crude mission so viewers have been promised behind the scenes access of the mission from their selection to footage up from inside the spacecraft while it orbits earth that is a must-see tv for me i mean
1: it's kind of like drive to survive right the formula one series that netflix put on yeah except this has kind of got a bit more of a twist to it and that yeah you really do want to survive it so uh yeah. <laughs> i'm glad they didn't call it ouch fly to survive yeah. or something but anyway, yeah. that's so cool. I'm glad we're going to get some behind-the-scenes views on us. This. this sounds really fun to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. be fun. Very cool. Cool.
0: All right, CJ, good to be back. Good to see you again. Likewise. And catch you soon. We will be seeing everybody next week. Ciao. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to MicrosoftCloudShow.com questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a WAVE or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, MicrosoftCloudShow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.